So throughout the semester so far, we've been asking the question, posing the question, who am I? And asking different ideas about what makes us, what shapes us as God's people. And we saved this one for last because it really ties into all the others as well. As we talk about tonight, should we be afraid or at peace? So my question for you tonight is this, do you know or are you familiar with Murphy's Law? Somebody tell me what Murphy's Law says. Go ahead, Lucas. Okay, whatever can happen, good or bad? Bad, right, is what he says? Okay, maybe. See, I don't know much about Murphy, but I'm going to show you what I found because, well, I'm not sure who this Murphy guy is, but I don't know if I want to be best friends with him because there's a lot more than just one Murphy's Law. Check these Murphy's Laws out, all right? Number one, in any field of endeavor, anything that can go wrong will go wrong. Number two, left to themselves, things always go from bad to worse. Three, if there's a possibility of several things going wrong, the one that will go wrong is the one that will cause the most damage. Four, nature always sides with the hidden flaw. And five, if everything seems to be going well, you have obviously overlooked something. <laughs> Not exactly a pocket full of sunshine, was he? I, I think about this, what, I don't know what happened to this guy in his life that he came up with these laws and said everything's going to be bad all the time. And we laugh a little bit, but, but if we really take a step back, aren't our minds really good at doing that in our lives too? Do you find yourself being pretty good at imagining the worst case scenario? We do, don't we? Isn't it easy to create in our minds doubts, anxieties, fears about things that haven't even happened yet? and maybe won't, probably won't. So we can really relate, actually, to what Murphy's saying, and, and this is what makes tonight's discussion so important. You know what the devil wants? He wants you to be afraid. He wants you to be afraid because if he has you in fear, he's turning you away from the one source of comfort. Thankful for David's words tonight from Psalm 56. Look at these words that David's, uh, David wrote. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you, in God, whose word I praise, in God I trust and am not afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? If you were to open up your Bible and, and take a look at the heading to this psalm, Psalm 56, it actually says this, of David when he was seized by the Philistines in Gath. Well, let me just talk to you just a little bit about that because it's kind of interesting that, that David wrote this psalm at a real fearful point in his life. David was on the run from Saul. King Saul looked at David as a huge threat to his kingdom and so he wanted him dead. And so David runs away and he actually goes to a Philistine city named Gath. Maybe you recognize that, home, that, that, that city, Gath. It was actually the hometown to someone, a Philistine, that you might recognize, whose name you might recognize from Scripture. And maybe the picture kind of gives it away. Can you guess whose hometown was in Gath? Goliath. The giant that David had killed, right? He goes right to Goliath's hometown. The Bible doesn't tell us what David is thinking. Maybe he's thinking, well, that's the last place Saul would look for me, right? Or maybe he just thinks, they won't recognize me. I was just a 17-year-old boy when that happened. But they do recognize him. And they seize him, they capture him, they take him before the king as if to say, what should we do with him? And do you remember what David did? 
He pretended to be crazy, a madman. He's scratching and leaving marks on the doors and the walls. He's letting saliva run down his beard so that the king finally just says, I got enough madmen already in Philistia. I don't need this guy too. But it was a fearful time for David. I mean, talk about fear. He's got Saul chasing him, wanting him dead. He's got the Philistines who have captured him. It left only one place for David to turn. And that one place is what he mentions in Psalm 56, his trust in the Lord. Think about all the things we've, we've talked about over this past semester. We've talked a lot about the fact that, that a lot of them come from feelings, how we feel. And that feelings are untrustworthy because they often fly in the face of what the facts actually are. But I want you to think about this. All of the things that we've talked about this semester really have their root in fear. So one of the topics we talked about was, are we loved or unloved? Ultimately, doesn't that come down to a fear? A fear that, that somehow we're going to miss out, not experience something that God wants us to experience or that is a basic human need, the love of someone else, or maybe even worse, that, that God doesn't love us? What about alone or connected? Isn't that also a fear? That somehow we aren't going to have someone there to support us, to share in our struggles? What about being guilty or innocent? Isn't that a fear that, that somehow God isn't going to forgive our sins, that he can't look past them, that somehow we deserve his punishment? What about weak or strong? Isn't that a fear that when the difficulties of life come my way, I'm not going to be able to handle them, I'm not going to be able to stand up under them? All of those things are rooted in fear. And if you really think about it, it's a special kind of fear. It's a fear of something that we can't even know, something that's in the future that we create in our own head, in our own minds. Do you know there's actually a word for fear of the unknown? Are you aware of xenophobia? Have you heard that word? The fear of the unknown, it's a very common phobia that many people have. The future is so out of our control that, that people worry and get anxious about it and I guess we can understand why if you don't have an answer. If you don't have an answer, that kind of fear can be completely paralyzing. But we do have an answer, don't we? I don't know if you guys remember this show. Sometimes I forget how old I am. But do you remember the show Fear Factor? The original one hosted by Joe Rogan, right? The prize was $50,000. And for $50,000, you had to complete three tasks that made you face your fears. They usually had to do with things like heights or creatures, creepy, crawly, you know, spiders, snakes, all those kind of things. Being buried, alive, maybe underwater, having to hold your breath. And what's amazing about that show is that the prize money, while that drove people to face their fears, so many times their fears still overcame them. I remember this symbol pretty often in Fear Factor where people would just give the old cut, I can't do this anymore, I'm too scared. Sometimes even seconds away from possibly winning $50,000 and they gave it all up because they couldn't overcome their fears. It's proof, isn't it, 
that, that fear can cause irrational thoughts. Fear can cause us to do crazy things. And so where can we take our fear? Well, you already know the answer. You heard it from King David. Will you read these words with me again from Psalm 56? When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust and am not afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Just like David, there's one place for us to take our fears. To the God in whom we trust. The God who is greater than anything that anyone in this world or anything in this world can overcome. As David says, what can mere mortals do to me? It's that God who removes all of our fears. But I think you know there's one fear. There's one fear that's real. That real fear is the fear of a holy God as we stand before him as unholy people. It's a fear that runs all the way through Scripture. Think about this for a minute. Think about what happened the second Adam and Eve fell into sin in the Garden of Eden. They were afraid, and so they hid from God. How about Moses at the burning bush? Didn't he become afraid when he realized that it was God's presence calling to him from the bush? Elijah at the mouth of the cave pulled his cloak over his eyes because he was afraid to stand in the Lord's presence. How about the shepherds when the angel visited them in Bethlehem as they were in the fields? They were afraid. How about Peter? When he saw the miracle of the miraculous catch of fish, he said, go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. You see, that's a real fear. A real fear that, that knows that we can't stand in the presence of a holy God. But here's the best news of all. God took care of that fear too. He eliminated that fear by sending Jesus to face our fears in our place. From the cross, your Savior said this, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That was Jesus suffering the worst fear ever. The fear of an eternity in hell. Suffered for you so that you and I don't have to suffer. Jesus went to the cross to take away our fears forever. And on that cross, he paid for your sins and mine once and for all. When Jesus rose on Easter Sunday, that evening he went to visit his disciples who were in a locked room, right, for fear of the Jews. They were afraid of everything. Do you remember the very first word that Jesus said to them? Peace. Peace be with you. What Jesus wants you to have, what God wants you to have, he wants you to have peace, to know that all is right between you and God. Everything's right between you and God because Jesus removed the sin that stood between us and God and now we are at peace with him, not just here in this life, but peace with him for eternity. David had it said it a little bit differently in Psalm 27 when he wrote this, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When God is on our side, there's nothing to fear. There's nothing that anyone can do that changes what Jesus has already accomplished, our eternity with him forever. Just a couple takeaways for you tonight. Number one, fear plagues every person, but we have an answer for our fear. That answer is found in our Savior, Jesus. He's the one who took the punishment for sin on himself and gives us the gift of life eternal. Secondly, Jesus replaces our fears with peace. 
peace right now and knowing that our relationship with God is, is good, that we're right, and then forever as we will live with him in eternity. All right, who are my Costco shoppers out there? Got a lot of Costco shoppers, a few. Maybe even if you've never been to, has anybody never been to Costco? Raise your hand if you've never been to Costco. Okay, we got a couple non-Costco people. I'm really sorry for you. But maybe you still know, you maybe still know the procedure when you go to Costco, right? When you go in, you got to flash your membership card, right? And there's all these kind of things that, you know, might be good deals. They might not be. Who really knows? But then when you check out and you leave Costco, do you know in order to get out of the store with the things in your cart, you have to present your receipt at the door and they check to make sure that everything in your cart you actually paid for? I would imagine that, that if you somehow forgot your receipt or lost it between the checkout counter and getting out of the store, it's kind of a fearful thing because you don't know what they're going to do when you get to the door. I suppose if you put things in your cart that you hadn't actually paid for, it might be a little bit fearful about what's going to happen at the door too. But normally, when you walk out of the store with the receipt that matches everything that you have in your cart, there's no fear. Because if they question you, you just pull out the receipt and say, it's right here. In the very same way, God has given you a receipt. Proof. Proof that you have nothing to fear. Proof that Yes, your sins are truly forgiven. Proof that all is right with God. Do you know what it is? I know you do. Plus, I put a picture on the board that makes it easy. It's Jesus' empty tomb. It's the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. That's your guarantee that you are at peace with God because your sins are wiped away forever. It's also your proof that you don't have to live according to Murphy's laws because you have God's own word that all is right between you and him. And it will be for eternity. Amen. Anybody have any uh, prayer requests that they'd like me to pray about tonight? Other than like midterms and busyness and school and all of that stuff, which we will certainly include. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for reminding us tonight that, that fear truly is a liar. That the devil's attempts to, to make us afraid fall short when we know what you have done for us, when we remember your sacrifice on the cross, when we, we, we remember all that you have done for us, that, that all is right between us and God, we know there is no reason for fear. There's nothing that anyone or anything in this life can do to separate us from your love. Continue to remind us of, of your constant presence in our lives as you guide us to the place of perfect peace, our home with you in heaven. Today, we continue to pray, Lord, for all of our students. Uh, you know all of the challenges that, that lie before them. You know uh, the work that, that has yet to, uh, is yet to be accomplished. Uh, you know the tests that they have and all the fears that, that sometimes that brings and the anxieties. Calm those fears and those anxieties, Lord. Let them cast all their anxieties on you, remembering that you care for them, especially as they see it in the cross of Jesus and in his empty tomb, our proof that all is right with you and we're on our way to an eternity in heaven. We pray all these things in our Savior Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace. Amen.